Hey everybody, welcome to Eco Chic, a podcast all about practical science and sustainability. My name is Laura and I'm a graduate student studying climate science. This podcast is a really awesome space to share a lot of things that I take for granted, so like general climate change education or personal sustainability efforts, things that are not necessarily common knowledge but totally should be. New episodes come out every Tuesday, always taking a fresh look at some topic on our environment that we've kind of glazed over. We're talking about climate change from a bunch of different angles, but also just personal tips on how to be a more responsible citizen of the planet. Last week here on EcoChic, we shifted the conversation a little bit and started talking about how climate change is impacting some non-human communities. Last week, we got into birds and bees. Animal communities are a major interest of mine personally, so I had a lot of fun with that. If you're interested, go ahead and give that an episode a listen. If there is a particular topic in the realm of climate science or sustainability that you'd like to hear about on EcoChic, please go ahead and let me know. This podcast is a place to bring you little bits of information that will actually be helpful, useful in your own eco-friendly journey. Today, we are going to revisit our own personal impacts on the planet. I've heard from y'all that you're generally interested in learning more about how we can implement some more environmentally friendly practices at home. So today we're gonna go through some general points of intervention through different rooms of our homes. Now, I assume the majority of my listeners are young adults like myself still renting. So I have a couple of suggestions for homeowners out there, but it's worthwhile to listen and then re-examine your rental situation. A lot of eco-friendly practices also save money. So there might be some easy fixes that your landlord is willing to move towards for everybody's benefit. So let's start with those more infrastructure-based eco-friendly practices. The first thing that I would recommend to reduce your home energy consumption is a smart thermostat. So this is a thermostat that can be controlled remotely, so via an app or on your phone, on your computer. These are a really good move because the ideal temperature for your home can vary during different times of year, also depending on where you live. And a smart thermostat can figure out, hey, while no one's at home, we should leave the AC at 72 degrees for maximum efficiency. The Nest thermostat, it's just like one particular brand, estimates that it saves people on average up to $145 on their energy bill per year. So that's a really good move for money, but you're also just not pulling energy that no one's actually using. That's really silly. On the topic of air conditioning though, take a step back and decide if there are times of year that you can opt out of air conditioning, just leave your windows open for the sake of cooling. I'm originally from South Florida and it's pretty much hot and sticky all year round. So open windows are not an ideal move, but that's not necessarily the case everywhere. If it's 70 degrees outside, why would you set your AC to 70 degrees? It sounds like a no-brainer, but it's actually something we might have to very consciously think about. Secondly, on the more structural side of a home's energy consumption is insulation. Take a look at how well you are keeping your home separate from the outside temperature changes. Double pane windows are a really smart way to keep your home at a more stable temperature. You're not gonna be paying for heating and cooling that is then immediately lost. They say that the majority of heat loss in homes is actually out of the attic. So if you can afford to only revamp one area of your home, that's probably where you wanna focus your energy. Everyone now on the side of both homeowners and renters can definitely unplug electronics when they're not in use. So look at your bedrooms, your living rooms, anywhere in your home that you have outlets. I feel like we all vaguely know this, but don't really practice it. Standby power or vampire power, or sometimes it's even called phantom loads. We got a lot of spooky terms in there. That's all energy that appliances and electronics are pulling from the grid and wasting just by being plugged in. 
The U.S. Energy Administration says that vampire power costs American consumers more than $3 billion collectively every single year. Over time, a lot of microwaves and televisions actually end up consuming more electricity during the hours that they're not being used versus when they are. Now, I personally do not like unplug my microwave every time I'm done using it, but it's really easy to unplug phone chargers, humidifiers, your Xbox, whatever it is, if you're done using it. If you're really on top of yourself, all of these little unplugging situations can have a really visible impact on your electric bill. Now let's talk about your bathroom. Here's where we wanna talk about low flow shower heads and toilets, an easy thing that your landlord might wanna switch out if he is going in and revamping different things for the sake of saving money. As of June, 2018, the federal standard for new toilets is 1.6 gallons per flush. Older toilets can use anywhere between four and six per flush on average. If you're not selling or massively remodeling your home anytime soon, definitely considering just revamping your toilets. If you haven't revisited that in like the last eight, 10 years or so, you'll end up using a lot less water. So in some cases, like up to a third of the amount of gallons you were originally using in an older toilet and really not notice any difference in the performance of either of these things. Similarly, low flow shower heads save a lot of water. The typical shower head uses between three and four gallons of water per minute and a low flow shower head uses about half of that. So that's still a ton of water. Let's just acknowledge that two gallons or so per minute. So I'm going to remind everyone that we should be shortening our showers. Keep them quick. They even have low flow shower heads now that are coming with timers if you really want to hold yourself accountable for how long your showers are. A toothbrush also in the bathroom is a really easy plastic product that you can replace with something biodegradable. If you're replacing your toothbrush every three months over the course of 50 years during your adult life, you're going through 200 toothbrushes. Over your whole life, you'll realistically go through much more than 200 toothbrushes because you're not just gonna like stop brushing your teeth when you turn 50. Bamboo toothbrushes are a really cool alternative. So I've been using them for about eight months now and totally, totally dig them. Every single plastic toothbrush you've ever had in your life is still on the planet. Really kind of gross to think about. When you switch to bamboo, your toothbrush can be easily composted or break down on its own otherwise. This is a really teeny thing that can definitely add up to reduce our collective landfill waste if we decide individual actions truly have an impact. Zero waste advocates make a lot of toiletries themselves like toothpaste, it's usually like some baking soda base with essential oils and a couple other natural additives. There's a whole bunch of recipes online and I can link a couple down below if you're interested. Honestly, I am not on that level yet of making my own toiletries. So instead of making those products, I opt to concern myself with things that do not harm the environment when they're washed down the drain. So just let's take a step back here and acknowledge that everything you wash down the drain has to go somewhere. Target has some really well-stocked natural sections in their shampoo areas. There's a misconception that organic natural bath products are more expensive, but if you're browsing this section at Target or any other major store like that, you'll notice that basically they're all the same price as any other middle tier hair care product and you're just opting to vote with your dollars in that sense and just pick something that's organic, natural, really not harmful at all. From there, I've purchased brands like Ren Pure. It's a black bottle and it has a little plastic pump on top and their products have no sulfates, parabens, dyes, a whole bunch of hard to pronounce chemicals are omitted. I bought shampoo and conditioner also from the brand Love, Beauty, and Planet after some really targeted Instagram ads, honestly. Um, their clear bottles are made from 100% recycled plastic. 
And these also have no silicone, parabens. They're totally vegan. They're from organic ingredients. Also, while not directly impacting the planet, neither of these natural brands come tested on animals. There's totally no reason for that. For soap, a bar of soap totally forgoes the plastic situation. If your bar comes from a little cardboard box, it really doesn't need to be wrapped in plastic also around that box. I know that Dove soap comes packaged like that, which is kind of silly. If you live near a natural grocer's, they're in the Midwest and on the West Coast, I've been buying my bar soap from there totally package free. They just have these loose bar soaps with little barcode stickers on the bottom. Lush makes some really, really cool shampoo and conditioner bars. I've not tried them yet, but I've heard really, really good things. Um, they completely avoid plastic packaging and they are made of totally natural ingredients. So they're safe once they go down the drain. Also, for some reason, as a country, we do not generally recycle toiletry bottles. You can 100% totally always put your empty shampoo bottle in a recycling bin if you live in a place that recycles plastic. All right, let's move on from the bathroom and talk about laundry. I kind of do a lot of laundry, and here again, we're thinking about how the water is being drained and impacting the local environment, and also the energy consumption that each load of laundry and each dry cycle takes. When it comes to laundry, you can definitely be washing always in cold water. It's 2018. We have really advanced, at this point, laundry detergents. You really do not need to be washing anything in hot water unless you're like picking up blankets from the side of the highway. Look for detergents that have no added chemicals or fake fragrances. So when your washing machine drains, again, that water has to go somewhere. Whatever chemicals you've put into the water is going to end up in the local water systems of your community. Now, an extra super eco-friendly move here is using soap berries or soap nuts. There are these little berries actually from the lychee family that produce soap naturally. There's different subspecies all over the world, but I believe the majority of the commercially sourced soap berries come from India and Indonesia. I actually saw them on Shark Tank and I didn't know about them beforehand. But soap berries are just, again, little berries. They don't come in plastic and each berry can be used for like 20 washes or something ridiculous like that. So they really save money in the long run. When it comes to drying, your dryer ends up using a lot of electricity. So if you live in a place where you can have clotheslines or you can dry things air dry outside, that's a really good move to save a whole load of energy there. When it comes to dryer sheets, it's a really cool move to make the switch from single-use dryer sheets to wool balls. It just takes off the static. If you want a little bit of fragrance, you can add some essential oils. I've seen them at local natural grocery stores, but you can also buy them online. I'll link them on Amazon in the show notes, plus different detergent options that I just talked about. The only room in the home we haven't gotten into today is the kitchen, because I feel like I usually do not shut up about buying groceries package-free. I will link in the show notes some posts on my blog. I've written about easy kitchen swaps for things that you can make yourself with like some pretty minimal effort compared to buying packaging. But otherwise, I have a whole bunch of resources when it comes to reducing your carbon footprint in terms of groceries and cooking and things like that. I would love, love, love to hear any of your favorite eco-friendly practices at home. If there's anything that I didn't mention today and you like to personally do to reduce your energy and water footprints, please reach out. If I get a bunch of different cool ideas, I will definitely compile a master list of home energy and water tips for us all to share and continuously add to. I will have references and other information linked in the show notes and also on my website, which is lauraediaz.com. 
If you enjoyed this episode on home energy and water consumption and reducing your own footprint, please go ahead and let me know. I love hearing feedback. If you want to chat about anything, you can DM me on Instagram. I am at Laura E. Diaz, D-I-E-Z. You can also shoot me an email. My email is laura at lauraediaz.com or via the contact page on my website. I also have a Facebook page now, which is just, again, super creative, Laura E. Diaz. We literally have so many ways to connect with each other, so don't feel like you can't reach out for whatever. Everything will be linked in the show notes. You can rate and review this podcast if you are so inclined. So that's like the currency of the podcast world. I would really appreciate it. I love hearing that you are sharing this with your friends and applying these tips to your everyday life. As always, thank you so, so much for listening, and I hope you have a really awesome day.